0: You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. As an investor, the Fed and the trajectory of US interest rates is so important in framing your top-down view. And I watched uh, Jerome Powell's congressional testimony last night and found it fascinating for several reasons. Uh, Kirby Lecranji, co-founder of Rexalom Invest, uh, not sure if you got to watch it all the way in the Kruger. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well. Thank you, Mike. And thanks for... uh Thanks for all the work you've done at Classic Business. It's been an absolute pleasure to be part of the show, and um, and, it's, um, and, and it's been an absolute privilege.
0: Oh, Kirby. Uh, yeah, you're letting the cat out the bag. This is the last time we'll be doing the real economy uh, under the Classic Business banner, at least, because uh, I'll be starting my new, much-truncated show on uh, hot starting on the 1st of July. We're not going to be broadcasting on the 30th at all, as uh, the changeover will be underway. So no classic business next Wednesday. This is our last chat of the real economy in in classic business. It's a rather bittersweet occasion. And I think a fitting occasion, because we've we've discussed it so often in the past, Mm. uh, the the Fed and and the Fed watching that we do, the, the, the dot plots and all of that. Now, you know, watching Powell's testimony, I was amazed at how politicized it was. We had Republicans pushing this consistent message that the Democrats are making the Fed's mandate for full employment and price stability impossible because they reckon that uh, unemployment benefits are actually stopping people from getting back to work and and that the continuation of this fiscal stimulus is resulting in a weaker dollar and above-target inflation, which is hurting the average American. And the Dems are, are blaming the Republicans for how COVID was handled initially and saying that uh, the return on vaccination and stimulus will be clear over time. So there, there was a clear political flavor to what was going on.
1: Yeah, and I suppose, you know, the the crisis that is underway in the, in the world economy, it's not just about the American economy, but it really is about the world economy. Is one that'll spill over into the political landscape. So yes, there's supposed to be this defining line between central banks and what happens in the political, from a political perspective. But the crisis that we're dealing with is of such a significance that it, that you can expect some of those things to kind of uh, to kind of spill 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 over. And let's face it, that from a monetary perspective, many central banks of the world, across the world have done what they can in order to ensure. That there's liquidity and enough that there's enough liquidity in the world economy to ensure that there's a smooth running of the world system, so to speak. And I think that we should take our hats off to people like the ECB and like the like the Federal Reserve, just to ensure that during the COVID crisis last year that they actually just created the monetary base to ensure that the world economy can continue to operate. If that wasn't the case, Mike, we would be in a very, very different world today and we would be having very, very different conversations to the one that mm. we're having to, to, tonight. Yeah. The thing that's got the market put, though, and the thing that everybody is talking about at the moment is, um, you know, it's um, you know now that we are post the crisis, we're kind of standing on the other side of the crisis and we're looking back, many people are saying, but you know could it not have been better you know couldn't we have done something more and what about what what about the unemployment benefits and what about the fiscal stimulus that potentially is going to be Be coming on board, and isn't that too much? And it's a very nice conversation to be having from an academic perspective, but actually, it's 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 a privilege to have that conversation because we're not sitting in crisis mode anymore.
0: You know, uh, absolutely, Uh, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of the fact that the policy response was commensurate with the size of the crisis and uh, we saw an increase in money supply m1 money supply of 25 percent last year in the u.s many people now worried about inflation on the back of that but i would much rather that we had inflation after that record level of money printing and stimulus, then then talk of deflation to say, look, I mean, we've thrown everything that we can at the problem and, and uh, we still can't stimulate inflation. So I, I must say that I actually found the message on inflation reassuring and we saw last night's price action certainly suggesting that I'm not alone.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, the inflation number that one is seeing at the moment, that 5% number, is really a year-on-year number. And the fact is that we came from an incredibly low base 12 months ago because of the COVID crisis, and one is just literally seeing a rebound in the numbers where they are at the, to where they are at um, at, at the moment. What is telling though is what is happening in the bond market. So if you look at US yields, last week was was a very interesting time to watch uh, US yields. So US 10-year yield went from 1.62%. This is now at its high point. And it fell as low as 1.37% during last week to to kind of be where it is at the moment at about 1.5%. So you're seeing the long end of the curve. You're seeing the yields coming down. But on the short end of the curve, you're seeing US two-year yields going from 15 basis points to 24 basis points, indicating – Exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, we're going to be putting up rates. We, we, you know, and this is going to be happening in 2023, and we probably put it up about two times during 2023, and maybe even before that. You know, that 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 certainly could be the case. But the long-term yields are telling you, listen, this inflation is probably a transitory number. It's a number that's probably going to work its way through the system quite quickly because growth is going to be a problem if one looks towards the longer or the mid to longer term.
0: Mm. And within that, I actually found the comments on the labor market most interesting because they're currently around 9 million job vacancies in the US. I mean, That's a massive number. And the thing is, you know, these posts are not being filled because people are either uh, they're scared of COVID or they're living with people that are vulnerable so they don't want to go out. Uh, or it's uh, unemployment benefits uh, acting as a, a disincentive. And I think that's a big one because if you look at current state unemployment plus the federal enhancement program, it means that if you're a US citizen, you're currently being paid oh, somewhere in the region of $37,000 a year to sit on the sofa. And uh, yeah. it's no wonder that airlines and restaurants are, are struggling to fill vacancies. Uh, I mean, yeah. people are just you not know, incentivized it- to go out and work, yeah. And I mean, look, the Americans um, work quite differently to the South
1: Africans um, in the sense that, you know, in South Africa, we're used to people choosing a career and then you kind of get yourself involved in the career and you you work. But in America, it's quite different. Um, If you're not in a specific professional Silos, so to speak. Um, you 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 can hop around jobs. You could be in the in the restaurant industry, for instance, and then you could potentially get yourself into the catering industry, or maybe you know maybe you you want to do something else in the travel and leisure industry. Um, and the the job market is so flexible that you're able to do this kind of thing. And this is exactly what. They're talking about at the moment is that a lot of these folk are sitting and actually getting themselves unemployment checks at this stage and they should really be back in in the workforce. And all of this is obviously a burden on the state. But a much bigger burden on the state is if one looks at productivity numbers relative to long-term employment numbers in the United States. There certainly is evidence of decent productivity. But if one looks at the way in which we work and the type of work that we do and the type of work that has been taken over by machines and by IT and just by us being a lot more efficient in what we're doing, it means that the labor force isn't necessarily um, skilled in order to deal with a very, very changing world. That's that's the one factor of this. And the other factor of this, uh, or the factor to take into consideration, is uh, the percentage labor force participation rate. And this is just an evidence of, the baby boomers retiring, and there's less and less folk working in the world economy, and there's more and more burden on kind of the retired spectrum of of mm. um, of, of your of your total employment base. So all of this feeds your feeds into the world, or shall i rather say into the, US, um, into the U.S. economy and exasperate a lot of what you're seeing busy happening at the moment. And as a matter of fact, it's not just in the U.S., quite frankly, it's in Europe as well.
0: That's yeah, all over. And, uh, and, and Powell reckons that uh, I think 15 million Americans are going to see benefits disappear or decrease in the short term. And his base yeah. case is that you see serious job creation in the fall because you, you don't have this incentive to remain rooted to the couch. You're now going to go and, and look for work, and there, there is work available in the U.S. economy, But there's also, on the flip side of that, a lot of speculation that the Democrats being the Democrats, is that going to try and extend the benefits? And if they do... No doubt people are going to sit on the couch for a bit longer, and that probably means that we'll see a more accommodative environment for a bit longer as well, which then feeds into the, the U.S. Uh, interest rate outlook, which obviously uh, feeds into every asset class in the world and why it's so important and why we love talking about it. Kobe Lakranji, co-founder of Rexalom Invest, thank you so much uh, for uh, all the insights uh, and all the great quips you've given us over the years here on Classic Business. Look forward to having you on Hot Business in the not-too-distant future. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.